Let me just do a brief recap. And today is uh, we're talking about the kingdom of God. And as I said, the eighth truth, the mysteries of the kingdom. And this is like a part two of that. Last week we talked about God's promise to Abraham. And through Abraham's seed, he was telling Abraham, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Now the understanding is, when he say all the nations, he's not talking about just the Jewish people. Because when he's talking to Abraham, there was no Jewish nation. There was no Jewish people. But he said, through your seed, that's in Genesis uh, 22, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Then we went to Exodus 19 and 1 Peter. So really, in Exodus 19, this is God talking to Moses. And he's just telling Moses what he had kind of told Abraham. But now, Moses is getting a little more detail than what Abraham got. And he said, and I'm going to paraphrase here. He said, I'm talking about a chosen generation. Telling Moses what to tell the people. You are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. His own special people. Etc. Etc. And Peter in 1 Peter was just repeating what God said to Moses about a people. Right? So this plan has never changed. So what God said to Abraham. That through his seed all the nations of the earth will be blessed. We start to see it's unfolding when Jesus came of how what God spoke to Abraham, how that's going to unfold. So the promise continues to unfold even into today. But it, the promise now is no longer a mystery. It was a mystery to those of old, of you know the, the prophets and so forth. But now in Christ and through Christ, that mystery is it's no longer a mystery. And as I said last week, it's only a mystery if you're not in Christ. And if you're not plugged into Christ. But you could be in Christ and still have no clue of what you're involved in. But the mystery is not a mystery if you are being, if you're plugged in and if the Holy Spirit is revealing things to you. But the only way the Holy Spirit is going to reveal things to you is if you're in the Word. If you're pursuing God. If you're trying to know Him, the King. You understand? That's the only way. You're not going to get, the Holy Spirit is not going to teach you anything if you don't pursue it. What is the point? If you want to get a master's degree or a bachelor's degree, or if you want to be a chef, whatever you want, you've got to get yourself immersed in the information to get the understanding. So if you're not immersing yourself in the Word, what is the Holy Spirit going to use to teach you? He can't teach you. Because you don't have the basic structure of what he can take. That word, that that logos, and make it rhema. And give you understanding. So you understand that. It takes a little effort on our part. Then we went to Matthew 16. And this is where we first hear Jesus talking about something called the church. So he asked the, 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 the disciples, who do you say I am? And Peter, of course, spoke up and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. But my father, who is in heaven, he revealed that to you. And he said, upon this rock, upon this revelation, 
upon this understanding which has been revealed to you by the Father, which is through the Spirit, I will build my church. And that word church, that's the first time we heard about, to what, about a church. And it's the Greek word ecclesia. And it means the called out ones. And he talked about giving keys to the kingdom of heaven. One of the things I said last week, is the church and the kingdom of, of God one and the same? Absolutely not. Because there was a kingdom before there was a church. Right? So the kingdom is the realm of the kingly rule of God. Everything in the kingdom is subject to and governed by the lordship of Jesus Christ, who is the king. The church is not an institution or a building, but a people. The church is a people who form the body of Christ, where the spirit of God is active. So wherever two or three, Jesus, that's why Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. There I am in the midst. Why? By the Spirit. Okay? So the the church is a people called out from darkness into light. We are a habitation of God by the Spirit. Amen? All right. So it's a, the church is the instrument through which the reality of the kingdom of God is understood. Its mission is to preach the good news of the kingdom in submission to the king. So that the king can build his body. In other words, the church was birthed through the king for the kingdom. The disciples of Jesus, which you can also put the church, joint heirs, Sons of God, because disciples are what? Students under learning. They are to do the works of Jesus, not on their own strength, but by the Spirit. And the disciples, we are custodians of the keys of the kingdom. And the church, the caller ones, they are the vehicle through which God can express Himself by His Spirit through a people where the wisdom of God will be revealed to principalities and powers, and the rulers of darkness of this world. Amen. So Jesus is the mediator of a better covenant to bring to pass the promise God made to Abraham, where the reality of this kingdom of priests and a holy nation can be established. So the mystery was to bring all nations, both Jew and non-Jew, Gentile, as one, or at one, make them all one under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So that all who desire, Jew or non-Jew, all have access to the Father through this one mediator who is Christ. The promise. Glory to God. So there is no preferential treatment. Rich, poor, black, white. It doesn't matter your economic status. All have access to the same God by the Spirit through Christ. That's good news to me. It's a level playing field. And you have as much access as you desire. So in Christ, we are also priests. You see, we, we tend to forget that. We are also priests. And we can come directly before God. Because the, what's the function of a priest? The function of the priest was to intercede between God and man. That was the function of the priest. But in Christ, we are a priest. 
We don't need an interse- a mediator anymore. We already have our high priest who is Jesus. And we are in him. So now we can come boldly before the throne of grace. The kingdom of God now and in its completion will be made up of what? A royal priesthood. Why royal? Because we are sons of God. Our brother is king. Amen. <laughs> That's why we are royal. Why a priesthood? Because we are in the high priest. And we can come boldly before God. And we also are the intercessor between God and the lost. So we reconcile. That's why it says we have the ministry of reconciliation. We bring people from who are lost. We give them the word of the kingdom. And they make the choice now to be whether they believe or not. So anyhow, that's, that's my brief recap. Okay, so as I said today, we are continuing with the eighth, eighth truth. The mis- of the mysteries of the kingdom. Now we're going to go to Matthew 13. Matthew 13 and verses 11 and 12. Okay, verse 11. Matthew 13, 13 verse 11. Now let, just, let me set, tell you what's going on here before we start. So you have Jesus speaking to the people. And his disciples are there. And he's speaking in parables. And his disciples ask him a question. And um, we're going to pick it up. Well, let's go to verse 10. This is the question the, the disciples asked Jesus. Verse 10. The disciples came and said to him, Who is him? Jesus. Why do you speak to them in parables? Why do you speak to the people in parables? He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you (laughs) to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. Verse 12. For whoever has to him more will be given. And he will have abundance. And whoever does not have even what he has will be taken away from him. That's it. Now I thought I was interesting that that's how Jesus answered the question. But then afterwards he keeps talking about hearing, they don't hear, seeing, they don't see. Let's go to Matthew 25. He says, when given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. So before we start reading Matthew 25, let me just say this. From reading from verse Matthew 13, 11, 12, Jesus is saying, you, disciples, he say, you are responsible for knowing the mysteries of the kingdom. We are responsible. The ecclesia, the called out ones, we are responsible for knowing the mysteries of the kingdom. And if you are a disciple of Jesus, you should know or be pursuing the knowledge of the kingdom to know its mysteries. Because Jesus said, you are responsible. It is given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. And if you don't know the mysteries of the kingdom, why don't you know the mysteries of the kingdom? That, I ask myself that question. And we all should be asking ourselves that question too. So Jesus, I said, made, made an interesting statement. Whoever has, he said, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. So let's go to Matthew 25 and let's start reading. 
Alright, this is a lot of reading, but I got to read the whole thing so we get the right context. Okay? Verse 25, 14, and we're going to read to 29. Yes, I know it's a lot. Here we go. Now, Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven. He said, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid the Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord, after a long time, the Lord of the serv- those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had recovered five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of our Lord. Verse 22. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. I, I Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then you, he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look there, you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered. See, you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has more will be given. And he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Now we just read that somewhere else. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Let's just break this down a little bit. So what I want to share. So the man gave talents to each servant. And he says what in verse 15? He gave one five. One two and the other one. To each according to what? His own ability. So that tells me that this Lord knows something about each, in the, each of these guys. Each of these servants. He knows what they are capable of doing. So he gave them each according 
to their ability. And I thought I was really interested. I thought I was awesome. He didn't just give it to them. It wasn't haphazard, you know, just, I'll give you five, I'll give you two, I'll give you one. He knows what they are capable of doing with what he gave them. He knew that. Number two, the servants with five, two talents, they put them to use. Because when the Lord came back, they, were, they came and said, hey, this is what you gave me and this is what I got back. So the servants with five talents and two talents put them to use and got a return. In other words, what did they do? They bore fruit. They bore fruit. Because we're talking, they multiply what they had. So multiplying something is bearing fruit. That, I, that's how I see it. So they got a return on their investment. Because what? They put to use what they were given. If you hold on to your, the five talents, there's no way you're going to get five talents back. You've got to take what you've given and put it to use. Amen? Amen? Because that's the only way it's going to get a return. So what, I, what do I gather from this? I say, wait a minute. Based on the reaction of the one with the one talent, you hear what he said here? The one with the one talent said, in verse 24, Lord, I'm in midway in the verse, I knew you to be a hard man. Now, do you think the other, the ones with the two talents and five talents didn't know that? They know the same, they know that about their Lord. I knew you to be a, I know you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So they knew the expectations of their Lord. Because He gave them, the Lord gave them according to their ability. So what does that tell you? He knows that they have the capacity to do something. They have the capacity or the ability to get a return on the investment that he had placed in them. There was no ambiguity but what the expectations were. So look at this, this, this servant now, the one who had one talent. He knew the expectation of this Lord but what? He was afraid to step out and take a risk. What did the Lord say to him? Verse 26. Verse 25. He said, I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. He said, I was afraid. I know you are a demanding man. I know what you expect of me. So I was afraid. The Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant. He said, You knew my expectations. You knew what I wanted from you. But I guess you didn't fear me enough. You just chose not to do it. You weren't afraid of me. Because if he was really afraid of the Lord, of his Lord, he would have gone and done something with it. So what was he? Lazy. What I see is that this Lord had confidence in these three servants. Because he said he gave them according to their ability. So he had to be training or teaching them to do certain things. So the Lord didn't just give them the five and, and two talents and one talent just haphazardly. There is something he was teaching or grooming them. And based on what he saw they had the ability to do. The Lord knew that this servant had the ability. Each one of them had the ability to get the return on the investment. But this servant 
I think he was just more, not more, only afraid. He was lazy. And why did the Lord say wicked? Because he was disobedient. Because who are the wicked? Those who are disobedient. He called them, the Lord called them wicked. Uh, that's not my, that's not my word. That's what the Bible says. The sons of, why he call them the sons of disobedience? Because they are, they disregard God's word. And do their own thing. What did the Lord say? To the one, take the one talent from that one, from that servant, give it to the one who has ten. We said, well, you should give it to the one who has two talents. No, he said, give it to the one who has ten. Wow. He said, because he who has, he will have abundance. And he who, if you don't put to use what I give you, I'm going to take that and give it to somebody else. We are supposed to take what we are given and put it to use. But if you don't, eventually it's going to be taken from you. And given to somebody else. And you can't be jealous of somebody who has all these gifts in operation. I ain't got nothing. Why? Because you're lazy. Faithless. So look what happened here. In verse 30. He said, And cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He called him unprofitable. Cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. When I read that, I said, Lord, that's why Paul said, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. This is serious. Okay, so when when I read that in Matthew 13 and, and 25... There are expectations of those who are disciples in the kingdom of God. There are expectations of us. If we put to use what we have received by the Lord from the Spirit, there will be evidence of fruit and more of the things of the kingdom will be revealed to us. If you put to use what you have, The Lord can give you more. So what's the mystery in this case? In the kingdom of God there are gifts, talents, etc. given. And with that there are expectations. Why? They said in the Bible what those expectations are. You're supposed to put those gifts to 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 use to edify the body. Because the body has need of your gifts, your talents, your abilities. But understand also that the Holy Spirit is the one who takes those gifts as you put them to use by faith. He graces you to do it. And as you use them and put them to use, the grace that you get, eventually there is fruit that is born. So there are expectations. That's why I always harp. Keep talking about the gifts and developing your gifts. Because the thing is, people want to come to a a gathering and just hear one person's gift. Or receive from other people. But those people who are putting their gift to use, they're the ones who more will be given to. Why? Because they're using the gift. 
And you wonder why some people are, have abundance in the body and some don't. You have to put to use what you have been given. The expectation is that you walk by faith and bear fruit as we put to use what we are given and to know that our king has given us everything we need to be productive. He's given us his word. He's given us his spirit. He's given ministry gifts. And what are those some of those ministry gifts are? To edify the saints for the work of the ministry. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. But what are we doing with what we're given? We have no excuse. We don't even have to worry about our ability. Why? Because it says what? We can do all things through Christ. Because in Christ, as you walk by faith, God gives you the grace to do it. You have no, we have no excuse why we cannot put to use what we have been given. We have no excuse. The only excuse we have is because we are lazy. Because you have to study the word. You have to read it. You have to study. You have to meditate on it. And the Holy Spirit will teach you. But He can't teach you if you don't study. If you don't read. If you don't meditate. He cannot teach you. He has nothing to draw on. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's the same thing with the servants. One with the five talents. One with the two and one with the one. They put to use what they had except the one. And he called him wicked and lazy. If you're sitting on your talent, on your gifts, you're lazy. And you're disobedient because you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And if you're disobedient, he's called you wicked. This is hard. This was, I'm reading this. That was hard for me. Because we hear a lot about grace, this, that. Yes, that's true. However, you have to put it to use. He said, we are disciples. We have to do the works of Jesus. But if you don't step out in faith and do, there is no need for grace. And therefore, there's no fruit. So the expectation is that we walk by faith, bear fruit. Everywhere you read is about bearing fruit. Even the parable of the sword. It's the, last, the last one is about bearing fruit. Some 30, some 60, 100 fold. It's, everything is about bearing fruit. The vine dresser, why does he cut? What does he cut off? Branches that don't bear fruit. He cut them off. They're useless. And the ones who are bearing fruit, he prunes it so it can bear, bear more fruit. God is not a wasteful God. If you're unproductive, you get cut off. If you don't use your gift, the gifts get taken away. What did he do? Cast that unprofitable servant in outer darkness. You are useless. We have to be, we have to be careful. You think you all got it all together. So a lot of people think they got it all together. You might be in for a surprise. You can't be lazy. This is not, a, that was not an acceptable excuse. This fruit is not by our design. The fruit that we bear, it's not by our design. We don't determine what kind of fruit it is. It's the gift we have determines the fruit. We don't determine that. It's not by our design, but by grace. As we exercise those gifts by faith. Our gifts are not our own. It's what we've been given. To multiply and bless the body. So the amount of fruit is not important. It's what you do with what you're given. Is your willingness to surrender. And allow the Lord 
to express himself by his spirit through us. That's how much. How much are we willing to die? How much are we willing to surrender? Not to do things our way, but do things his way. But the important thing is that, how much you're willing to die? If you're willing to die, that means you're willing to walk by faith. And you actually are doing it. Because you could know it in your head and know it in your heart, but you actually have to do it. He said to the disciples, I give you the keys of the kingdom. Yes, you have the keys. Are you putting the keys to work? Are you putting them to use? If we are disciples of Jesus, got to know the mysteries. And we are to encourage and teach others who are being made disciples. Jesus said, go into all the world and what? Make disciples of all nations. We have to impress on people as we know our gifts and exercise them. We also have to impress people to do the same. So we have to encourage people not to be lazy. That's why we always say people say, study the word, read the word. You have Bible study. You have this. You can't get people to come to church. You can't get people to do Bible study. You can't. Because people are busy. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I ain't got time. Blah, blah, blah. Giving all your energy. I love the kingdom of God. I love the things of God. But you're not putting the kingdom first. You're putting your own desires first. And then you're wondering why things you're not bearing fruit. How can you bear fruit if you're not eating the word? You more and more you see God's character, His holiness, His 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 love, His His grace, His compassion, His mercy. People tend to think that you know when they hear the love of God's love, the mistake we make is to we take that and put it in a human mold. God is holy, but He's also just. God cannot stand wickedness. He can't stand disobedience. He cannot, evil cannot be in his presence. Anyhow, we're going to continue with this next week.